Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. So go to Indeed, the number one job site in the world. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, everybody. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tonk here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Everybody, this is episode 140. We're going strong thanks to your support. And this is really, for those of you who are new to this, our weekly recap of all the stories around Apple related, maybe some outside of the effect Apple, but this is just kind of all the big stories that happened this week in one place with kind of a deeper dive than you would expect to see if you've watched my videos on my channel, youtube.com slash Brian Tong. So this show is all about you all. To be a part of it, call in. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone, on your Mac, on your PC, on your Android, any platform, it doesn't matter, and then send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. We have a few calls today, so we will get to them towards the end of the show. But you all add a little flavor and texture that I just love. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this, starting at $2 a month. $5 is worth a cup of coffee if that's what my content is worth to you. You got $10, $25, $100 Platinum Apple level, and this gives you early access to content, bonuses at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. So check it out. I appreciate your support in all these crazy times. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's get to the topics today. Now, this is not going to be the longest show because, you know, things are still bubbling. We pretty much know a lot about the iPhone 12 coming out, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, We're also, I know, I'm sorry. I had to, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of not. There's going to be a little talk about the iPhone. I don't even want to say it. The iPhone 13. We're not even on 12 yet. We're going to get there. But let's start off with, kind of the, some of the top stories of this week. And there are a few new iPhone details. Now, they come to us from John Prosser, and we know that the iPhone line, I have berated them for years about how their top-end models only come with 64 gigs of storage. That is that is still a crime. That That should not be allowed. Well, that might change because John Prosser released what he believes to be the storage capacities for the new iPhone lineup, again, we have four models of 5.4 inch, a 6.1, then a 6.1 Pro, and a 6.7 Pro Max. Now, we, we talked about it that it was going to be called the iPhone 12 mini for the entry-level device, and I still stand by my assessment that 5.4 inches is not mini, okay? Okay, we're good there. But Prosser confirms and is saying that iPhone 12 mini is definitely the marketing name of the smallest of the four. Fine, supersize me. A 5.4 inch is a mini now. That Everything goes larger. You got the Big Mac meals and McDonald's meals going large. Fine. 5.4 inches is a freaking mini. So that's going to come with capacities of 64, 128, and 256 gigs. No surprise there. Then you get the next level up, the 6.1-inch regular iPhone 12. Both of these are expected to just have the dual-lens camera sensor on them, 64, 128, and 256 gigs for that one. But in a change that we have been asking for for 
models on models, it looks like, according to reports, the iPhone 12 Pro and iPhone 12 Pro Max, that would be the higher end 6.1 inch and 6.7 inch models, will start at 128 gigs. What? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing around here. That is the report. Apple will finally, finally give us 128 gigs. I can't believe it. It's, it's about time. But so here's what also is the, the situation. The 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max will be 128 gigs, 256 gigs, and 512 gigs. It appears, according to reports, that there will be no one terabyte model. We also know Apple iPhones never have a storage expansion slot. so. You're going to get a larger starting off at 128, but still no one terabyte option. For those of you who want the one terabyte option, I think it actually in today's day and age with 4K video, all the photos and videos that we take, all the apps that we load on this bad boy, I think it's also time to give us a one terabyte option, but it's not there. So, you know, Apple's going to give you a little bit of cake. They're not going to give you all the cake, but they're going to give you some of the cake. Now, I mentioned this in my video because I thought it was important and The thing about this is they're trying to meet the deadlines. It appears that still the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12, those two kind of, I guess call them the lower of the two models, will be able to pre-order on October the 16th with a delivery of reportedly October the 23rd. That's what's being thrown out there right now. Now the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, those are still expected to be in November sometime. So we're not going to see those in a while. So you're just going to have to wait. But that's the layout now. Apple from their factory side, according to reports, China's own media reports say that Apple's manufacturer, Foxconn, is running out of their Zhengzhou factory 24 hours a day to produce this new iPhone 12. And the reason why I bring this up is like they're saying in the report, China said to be canceling workers' holidays, introducing mandatory overtime with additional bonuses for people that are longer serving staff. And this is during the holidays of the mid-autumn festival and actually, this is this is not like a, a Memorial Day. This is this is a period of time where it's kind of like prime holiday season for these workers. So the only reason I bring it up is just sometimes I know we get caught up with everything going on. You know, coronavirus happened this year. We are lucky to be able to get these devices in our hands. And I just wanted to be like, hey, there's actually people that are, that are making these phones. I think sometimes when we look at a phone, it's easy to dehumanize. And yeah, I throw all my good and bad apples and it's for fun, but I want to also acknowledge that there's people working their butts off so that we, first world country, gets these phones as fast as possible. And sometimes we don't even think about that once we like open that box. We just don't. We tend to not. Well, I'm going to do that for today for you all. Okay. Other things about the phone, iOS 14.2's beta 2 has been released to developers and they finally have revealed the new emojis. Everyone's like, when are we going to get the new emojis that they previewed back earlier in the year? Well, we always know that typically when they release iOS 14, typically the emojis come in either iOS 14.1 or 14.2 in those first iterations. They have unlocked it in the beta in 14.2. So you get new things like a ninja. You have like the boba bubble tea. You got a dodo bird. You got um the kind of cool little Russian dolls where it's like the big doll and the little doll. You've got a piñata, tamales, like all kinds of fun stuff. 
and it already wins with me by getting boba. I mean, we got a boba emoji now. I'm gonna use the crap out of that thing. And if you don't know what boba emoji, do you know boba emoji? If you don't know what boba is, it's like a bubble tea, which are these like tapioca jelly balls in the bottom of. Typically, it's a black tea with sweetener and milk, but then there's all types of flavors, different teas, green teas, juice drinks, passion fruit tea, all types. Oh, it's it's. I know I, I sometimes assume that everyone's had boba, but not everyone's had boba. It is delicious. Also with hands-on with the iOS 14.2, there's a new Shazam music recognition toggle. Now, what this is is that Apple acquired Shazam. Man, I believe, has it been two years now? I guess it's been a little bit. It's been more than a year for sure. And we haven't really seen much integration with it. We know that you can do a search through Siri directly, and it kind of helps use some of that Shazam engine. Well, now... If you go into your control set and if you go into your settings and you go into the control center area, if you haven't done this before, you can kind of pick the little utilities that pop up in your control center. And one of them is called music recognition. This is going to be new in iOS 14.2. Now, if you've heard of sound recognition, that's where your phone can hear. It's kind of an accessibility feature. If you can hear when a faucet's running or a baby's crying and it alerts you on your phone and it's hit or miss, let's be honest. Well, 14.2 is specific for music recognition. So you put that icon that does actually have the Shazam logo on it. And if you're out and about and you're listening to music and you want to hear a song, you swipe down your control center, hit that button, and it will detect the song for you and take you to it. It's also cool that it whether you're listening to music through your phone, let's say you're outdoors at an event, or if you're just listening to music casually and you're, you know, maybe it's like on a video or something and you have it through your headphones or your AirPods, you can activate the music recognition that way. This is actually a really cool feature, and it's kind of cool to finally see Apple's integration with Shazam and that acquisition kind of now benefiting us a whole lot more than it ever did. So I'm all about that. It just, you know, it takes time for them to integrate this stuff, and that's really cool. Also, in iOS 14.2, another nugget that is really, if you don't believe, or if you just refuse to believe that Apple's not going to take out the headphones or, you know, we'll call them the ear pods because that's where they are, the wired headphones with the lightning connector at the end in the new iPhone 12s. Well, there's nothing more than just something as subtle as in the code for iOS 14.2 beta 2s. There's, you know, sometimes, I guess, I don't want to say general statements or company statements that are describing features. And in one specific to about reducing exposure to RF energy, Apple refers to it as use a hands-free option, such as the built-in speakerphone, supplied headphones, or other similar accessories. Now, in the past, it said supplied headphones. But now in this new version, it says to reduce exposure to RF energy, use a hands-free option, such as the built-in speakerphone, headphones, or other similar accessories. It doesn't say supplied headphones. It says headphones. So that's another nugget, another like, hey guys, we're not going to put ear pods in there. Don't expect them. And that doesn't bother me as much. Yes, putting a power adapter, I still think there's people that need it. But I'm only saying that if you get rid of both ear pods and a power adapter, and I believe that's roughly around $50 or at least 50 US dollars that you're removing from the phone, if you're not putting those in, then give me the value back on the phone. But guess what? 
Apple's not going to do that. And don't tell me that, oh, they took out this the power adapter and the headphones so that you could get more storage on the baseline. No, because you're not getting more storage on the entry-level iPhone 12s. You know, who who's this really for? It's a little bit of both. Is it better for the environment? Yes. But really, who does this benefit more, the consumer or Apple? And I 100% say it's Apple. And you can put a nice story to it. And I'm all about the environment. I mean, I'm a I'm an ocean lover. So I don't want to see, if you've ever seen those whole plastic documentaries about all the debris that's swirling around the ocean, there's basically like an, a massive, a mass of plastic that's accumulated, I believe, out in the Pacific. It's, it's sad. It's depressing. And also the plastic particles we see in marine animals now when we open them up. Um, but pass on some of that to us. 30 bucks even. But they're not. It's just not going to happen. Oh, well. Okay, buckle up here because I, I deliberately didn't lead with this, although I'll probably need to make a video about this. New reports about the iPhone 13 lineup. I say that with, you know, kind of bashful because I am embarrassed to talk about this, but there's some interesting nuggets here. iPhone 13 lineup has been rumored to feature 120 hertz ProMotion displays. Now, this is Royce, Ross Young. Sorry, not Royce Young. This is Ross Young, who has reported on display activity from the manufacturer level quite often and comes from a credible source. What he is reporting that, according to him, he shared some information about the iPhone 13 and the relationship to the iPhone 12 lineup. So first up, the big thing is that they will finally be equipped with 120 hertz pro motion displays. And to that I say, it's about time. I think by the time Apple even comes out with that display on their own, people, only the nerds and the geeks like us that care are going to be like, are going to be kind of happy. But also at the same time, you're already rolling your eyes because I believe like even not even a 90 hertz display, but at least a, you know, a 120 hertz display on the market has been out now for maybe three years, four years, even roughly four years or so. That's pretty significant. But again, I've talked about this to you all. People aren't going to not buy an iPhone because it doesn't have 120 hertz. But are they way behind in the game? Absolutely. So these iPhone 13 models are also expected to have the same identical sizes as the iPhone 12s. So then when I see that, I'm just like, okay, any any word about the notch? Because if it's the exact same sizes, are they really going to get rid of the notch? There's no reports that says they are. And if they still want to keep Face ID, and it seems like they're moving even more deliberately slower between this 11 to 12, 13 generation, because they'll it'll be the second year of a new design, which when I talk about that, means the metal frame and the glass... I just I just get less and less excited. Will this be the portless iPhone with the same design? I don't I don't think they're there yet. Anyways, just want to let you know iPhone 13 lineup, same sizes, same lineup. Um there also is reportedly not going to be an iPhone SE3 until 2022. 
So don't expect a new iPhone SE next year in 2021. It's expected in the next next year, 2022. All right, did, did, we, did we cleanse ourselves from all that? Do I feel icky enough? Ugh. Shake it off. Ugh. Shake off the iPhone 13 talk. It, it's so early, but then it also kind of made me sad because I'm like, wow, it's, it's going to be roughly about the same phone. Oh, okay. Time to not be excited for another year again. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring this video. We know that resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's as crucial in business as it is in health. And if you're in charge of hiring, it should be in every job description. Whether you're ready to make your next important hire or need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, we jump over here now to YouTube. I, I was surprised that there were actually two Apple-related YouTube stories. And actually, I even forgot to say at the beginning of the show, but I just hit 200,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is kind of crazy. I did it in just over two years, and I can only say thank you to all of you for continuing to support all the crazy stuff that I've been doing. I literally couldn't do it without you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching it. It means a great deal. So just put my hands together. Say thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Now, YouTube here in relationship to Apple. Well, we know that TVOS 14 highlighted the fact that, hey, you could watch 4K videos in the YouTube app. But then when TVOS launched, the Apple TV 4K noticed that that support wasn't available. And everyone was wondering, hey, did YouTube need to update their app or not? Like, where... Who needs to flip this switch? Well, it appears that that is changing now, that there's reports on Reddit that support for 4K YouTube videos on your Apple TV 4K are starting to roll out. Um, some users have seen the different playback options on different OSs, ranging from tvOS 14 to tvOS 14.01, and then the tvOS 14.2 beta. But it hasn't rolled out to all users yet. So we don't, we can't say exactly. It may not be an official rollout, but like a slow light rollout. Also. Even if you can watch 4K content, it appears that HDR is not enabled if that's part of the video. And also 4K videos are limited up to 60 frames per second that are viewable from YouTube's app onto an Apple TV 4K. Just letting you know, because I, I gave up on, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. It'll, it'll happen when it happens. So it looks like it's starting to happen. Also, if you're using iOS 14, one of the big things was picture-in-picture. Picture. I love it, but what happened is that in the beta, you were allowed to use YouTube's mobile app, like through the browser or through Safari, and that picture-in-picture picture would work. And then when people got iOS 14, it didn't work, and YouTube was basically saying, oh, you have to have a premium account 
to use this feature. Well, it looks like they may have reversed that because now people using iOS 14 are able to use the picture-in-picture -picture feature in Safari if you're watching a YouTube video. And yeah, it means you have to go through the browser, but it's a game changer. I'm telling you, I love the picture-in-picture -picture is one of my favorite features from iOS 14 and actually changes how I use it. I would love to see it applied to the actual YouTube app. I think everyone would. And at the same time, I could see why YouTube doesn't want that happening because they like really people inter interacting on their interface or at their website and staying locked into that kind of whole YouTube world, which people do. So we'll see if that changes for the app, but at least in Safari, you are good to go. And then in other AirPlay 2 related HomeKit news, Roku's latest OS 9.4 that will be updated on certain TVs from brands like TCL, Sharp, and Hisense, Hitachi, Sanyo, RCA. Again, for me, overall, the Roku OS is the best OS on any TV because it also gives you the most streaming services available, although people are still waiting for HBO Max to come to the platform. That is kind of the, I guess, their biggest hole right now. I'm sure they're doing the negotiations. I'm sure that's really fun, and everyone just wants it to work. But other than that, they have every freaking service on there known to man. So OS 9.4 for Roku will be rolling out to some of these select TVs as well as new Roku Ultra players as well, but it allows AirPlay and HomeKit compatibility. Now, this is really important because AirPlay, awesome. Play content onto your TV, but HomeKit is more important because a little while back, I reviewed an LG TV, the LG uh CX48, it's their top of the line, but it's like kind of a 48-inch TV that's kind of geared more towards gamers and PC gamers even. But you go to the high-end model, I think it's like a 77 size, which is really expensive, but all the tech's the same. Well, that TV is HomeKit enabled, and so what it allowed me to do is say, yay, Leary, I'm not gonna say the word combination, and I could just basically turn on my T, turn set up a room and turn on that room with the lights and that TV all going on at the same time and I was like, wow, this is really nice. But what to me, the sleeper is that you have AirPlay 2 and you have HomeKit all on one TV and on multiple TV brands. It's almost like to me a Trojan horse where eventually if Apple wanted to do it, they could set this whole bad boy up to have their own soundbar or HomePods to really be seamlessly integrated into making that the audio source of output. So you know, for the longest time, years and years, people were saying, hey, when is Apple going to make a TV? And I was like, Apple's not going to make an actual TV. I mean, you know, that's just a business that they don't need to get into. There's there's so many established contenders that are right, right now that are the best. I was like, software play is the best play. Well, now they're doing it. They have Apple TV app on many TVs for at least over that are at least over the past two years old. It's already part. So people are getting familiar with the idea that that's there. Now you're talking about putting AirPlay 2 and HomeKit, which already exists on other TVs. Now you put on Roku, which is one of the largest TV platforms out there, at least here in the US. They're already infiltrating the living room in a different way now without even having to have a set-top box and leveraging the hardware of all these different manufacturers to then potentially come into play to support their own speakers and additional accessories. It's kind of genius. If they pull that trigger, I mean, it's a lever that they got to me, they got other things they got to worry about and kind of tighten up, but they can absolutely do it. Also this week, outside of Apple, really the big stuff that hit was Google dropped 
some of their new fall gadgets and toys. Now, it wasn't anything earth-shaking, but there were a couple that kind of stuck out to me. First of all, their phone lineup, they have a new Pixel 4a 5G and then kind of their new flagship model, the Pixel 5. Although it doesn't have the highest-end Snapdragon processor, this is a 699 phone. You saw Samsung just recently released the Samsung Galaxy S20 Fan Edition, which is also a 699 phone. It's basically almost like a flagship S20 just with a more plastic body material for 699. Now we know that iPhone SE 399, but everyone's now kind of targeting this mid-range price phone that is arguably on par with the high-end phones, which is different materials and maybe strip away a couple features and sell it for three, $400 less. Google has a physical fingerprint sensor on the back. They kind of took a step back from their own face ID authentication. They had this whole solely like finger gestures reader in their last Pixel phone that wasn't really hot and they took that out. I mean, they're kind of bounced around, but it has an OLED screen. It has a 90 hertz refresh rate, 699. It's, it's a night. If you're an Android person, it's a slick ass phone. Pardon my French kids. The other product, Chromecast with Google TV. This is their first streaming Chromecast stick that comes with a remote with the Google TV interface. Think of it as like their Android TV interface, kind of going back to their old school roots. It's, you attach it to the back into the HDMI port, but it supports 4K HDR video, Dolby Vision, and its price, $50. $50, it has all the major streaming apps on there. It's totally undercutting the Apple TV. Um, it's not as cheap as like Amazon or Roku, which can get sticks down to like 29 bucks, but I, I, I like the interface is very Apple-esque. Let's just put it that way. I'll say that kindly. But the product that I thought was the coolest was they dropped what they're calling the Nest Audio. It's a portable smart speaker, kind of a mid-range size. Quite honestly, I would say it'd probably fall from what it looks like. I don't have one yet. I'm gonna review one. It looks like it's in the same range as the HomePod. Size-wise, it's taller, but it may not be as wide. Now this smart speaker, it's different colors. It has 75% more volume than the original Google Home, which it better because that was okay, but it wasn't great. This thing is $100. And you've heard me talk a lot about the smart home in Apple. Remember, the Apple HomePod still right now, although you sometimes find discounts here and there, it is still retailing, at least right now, for $299. And they still only have something like 2.7 or 2.8% of the market share when it comes to smart speakers. That price is not going to allow them to get into more households. And we've been waiting for the HomePod Mini. To me, though, this is... Not only is it a great looking, cool looking device, kind of looks like a a vertical neck pillow. <laughs> okay, that may not sound attractive to you all. But 99 bucks for a smart speaker that will probably sound quite nice is a killer deal. And I really can't wait to see what Apple does this fall, hopefully before this year. I don't want to see it in 2021, quite honestly. What are they going to do with their smart speaker to tell us that Okay, we're not going to all of a sudden overtake Amazon and Google, but you're going to want this so much that we're going to at least shift the market breakdown and maybe earn a few percentage points and take a few away from them. Because I think the last time I checked, it was like Amazon was like at 50%. Google was at like uh, mid-20s-ish. And Apple was at 2.7 or 2.8%. It was pretty pathetic. Anyways, those are all, you know, if you're a tech fan, you want to check them out. But I, I, I like... 
I'm always kind of fascinated with how this stuff affects Apple. And, you know, this is one of those spaces, the smart speaker where Apple is continuously trailing by the whole lot. And so I'm always curious to see what other people are doing to kind of even make it more difficult on Apple. And what can Apple do to be like, okay, we'll still be a little more expensive, but now it's time to get it. I still cannot wholeheartedly recommend an HomePod at $299. I really can only recommend it around $199. $149 even now. That thing's been out for how many years? Uh, maybe only about a year and a half or two. Is it a year? About a year and a half or two. I mean, my brain is all, it's, it's hard to keep track of time now. <laughs> time flies, time flies. All right, let's get to our calls now. We got a few of them. We're going to start with my man, Super B. Hey there, Brian. This is Super B. Hey, man, I've got a question for you. And yes, it is about Fortnite. (laughs) I've heard you talk about it in the past and how this battle between Epic Games and Apple has directly affected you and your family. And similarly, it's affected me and my family as well. Uh, Man, I'm an old school gamer. I'm 49 years old and I never touched Fortnite until the coronavirus. I have an eight-year-old daughter and she started to dabble with Fortnite with one of her cousins and a cousin who lives uh, in another state from us and started getting connected and then another cousin of theirs started to get connected who lives in guam and we live in colorado and so it was this really neat way for family to get together and they wanted me to join them in this and it was a great way for me to stay connected to younger nieces and nephews and and my daughter as well who is probably too young to be playing Fortnite, but is just loving it man anyway the connectivity that it's had has just been amazing. But my question is this. I know that this battle is going on and nothing's going to get resolved here soon. It sounds like things have been pushed off to 2021 when it's going to go to a trial. My question is this. What do you think the chances are? I know you're not a lawyer, but you know, just given your your mind and the way you think about things, what do you think the chances are of them actually being successful, them meaning Epic Games, chipping away at this massive, massive App Store machine? What do you think, in your best estimation, is going to be the outcome? Love to hear your answer and your thoughts on it. Thanks, man. All right, Super B, uh, that mic sounds juicy. Now, Here's here's where I'm thinking, you know, again, no legal background in law, but Fortnite still has an uphill battle. And here here's the biggest indication of that. Now, they have recently, I think a few days ago or earlier in this week, Fortnite and Apple, you know, there's an initial hearing and in this like preliminary injunction, they both agreed that they would not have a jury trial. Right, they uh, they want this to be decided without a jury, and in that time, during during those kind of deliberations, the judge that was overseeing <laughs> this actually said here that Epic was not forthright and had made a calculated decision to defy Apple's App Store rules. There are people in the public who consider you guys heroes for what you did, but it's not honest. So that's kind of the initial tone that is already set right off the top. And you have a lot of these companies out that are trying to kind of create some momentum against Apple. And 
if you don't know all the histrionics of it, it is a deeply involved story. But if I had to do the cliff notes, basically, let's try and do this real quick. Epic Games, the distributor company that puts out Fortnite, they added a direct payment option in their game on iOS that skirts the rules of the App Store. It went around the App Store rules. They were trying to take direct payments to them so that Apple couldn't get that 30% cut that they always do. Apple then pulled the app from the App Store. Epic Games then filed a pre-prepared lawsuit against Apple and then had this whole public campaign against Apple, like literally coordinated right after that happened, anticipating that Apple would react like that. So they knew what they were doing. And even the judge presiding this said, it's not honest. Now, the case could be heard sometime in July of 2021, which is a long time to wait. A group of other apps that had initially kind of fought individually to say, hey, this is not fair, have created a coalition for app fairness. It includes Epic Games, Spotify, Basecamp, the Match Group, which I believe is Match.com, Tile, who's going to get their booties whooped by Apple when they release those uh, AirTags in the near future, even if Apple says we'll let you be a part of our platform, Blix and Deezer. Deezer is another audio service. They're trying to create a little momentum to say like, hey, you know, we're trying to protect consumer choice. We want to foster competition, create a level playing field for all app and game developers globally. So they're trying to be like, okay, they're trying to really bring more and more apps to kind of tilt the scales at least in their favor a little bit to say, hey, courts, we're all being being treated unfairly. But I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I, I still don't see how Apple is outright being unfair about this yet. It's, we're, it, we're not there yet. So I'm going to say the court's going to rule in favor of Apple or maybe it's just something simple as a compromise is, hey, Apple, you need to reduce your commission rate by 5%. It's not going to go down from 30 to 15 but I, I think Apple can just sit there and be like, these are the rules of our app store. Um, the biggest thing is that they don't allow any other app store on their platform, but the courts don't seem to really care about that. So that's that's what's different. So the, the argument is there's choice somewhere else is, yeah, you can go to an Android phone. That's your choice. Or you can be on an Apple phone. So you do at least have choice there. And I'm guessing that's how it's going to shake out. And quite honestly... None of us win from this. Epic tried to get everyone on their side, but when you put, when you put it in the hands of the courts, it doesn't matter what you and I think. So I don't I don't think anything's going to change, quite honestly. And then what'll be interesting is if okay, does Epic come back and finally make an agreement with Apple and play by their rules like they did before, and do we get Fortnite back in like another year? <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be like that. So that, that's what I think Super B, uh, short, long, long, short answer. All right, next up, we got Kamada, and he wants to sing the national anthem again. Oh, hey, Brian, it's your boy Kamada here. Oh, Kamada, our home and native land, true patron love in all the sun's coming. Okay. 
Okay, okay Brian. Um, two more uh, general serious question here for you. I remember I called you back the last time to ask about my iPad and just kind of whether it was worthwhile to upgrade to the iPad Air and the iPad. And to be honest, I can't decide between the two. If I was going to go for one, which one I would get? I'm kind of leaning to more towards the Air, though, if I'm going to upgrade the, my iPad. But my more bigger question is an ecosystem question now, and it kind of comes down to my Mac or my iPad. And I can't seem to decide which one is kind of more of the priority. My iMac is a 2013 refurbished uh, iMac, and right now it's running Catalina, but it won't be able to support anything going forward, including Big Sur. So some of my uh, some of my messages now are not syncing kind of cohesively between my Mac, my iPhone, my watch and my iPad. They're kind of all in different software versions. And I'm just wondering, Brian, what would be the bigger priority to upgrade the iPad or the Mac? Because the Macs, we still don't know what the future of them is going to hold with the transition to silicon. So would it be more worthwhile to wait off on the Mac and just kind of deal with the ecosystem hook for now and upgrade the iPad? Or would it be wait on the iPad and just get a new Mac that is slightly newer, that is going to be able to support Big Sur for many years to come. Just wanted to get your thoughts kind of on which one would be better to keep the kind of my ecosystem more intact. That's kind of my main priority and my main reason for upgrading any devices, because everything still kind of works perfectly fine right now. Just wanted to get your thoughts, Brian. Okay, looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, Sir Kamada. Look, I would actually not upgrade either. I mean, if I had to pick one to upgrade of that group, it first of all comes down to what do you use more on the daily? And it sounds like you use your Mac more on a daily as like your main primary go-to. And if that's the case, look, I'm assuming the iPad, technically, you could probably, and most people with older iPads or semi-current ones, if it really came down to it, you could probably use that iPad for another three years. Like, you don't really even need to upgrade that. The Mac, on the other hand, that's where all the action is. And so, right now, I don't think you need to do anything. But if I had to personally, and I had the resources to, I would wait to find out how this whole Mac situation plays out. Because not only is there huge potential in these new Apple Silicon Macs, it's exciting. I think we're going to see, and it might take a year for us to really reap the benefits but the fact that we're going to most likely get better performance longer battery life right out of the gates is going to be significant and it also does come down to which apps are key apps for you because i'm not going to update right away i hope to definitely get one to test out and use but i highly doubt for the work that i do that a mac Apple Silicon Mac is going to be my primary driver unless I completely switch over to Final Cut Pro. And I don't know if I have the time to do that because I'm pretty dang efficient with Premiere now. And I just want to be efficient. But everyone's like, go to go to Final Cut Pro. I'm like, yeah, but I'm efficient. We'll see what happens. But I, w- I, would, I would go with the Mac. All right, next up, final call from Josh. BTZ, this is Josh from Ambler, Pennsylvania. Just wanted to call and give my thoughts on some of the products I've purchased recently. I bought the Magic Keyboard for my 2020 iPad Pro 12.9 inch. 
Um, I think it's a huge upgrade over the um, like soft keyboard I used to have. Um, they've really done an amazing job integrating the functionality of the Magic Keyboard with iPad OS. Um, I love that I don't have to touch the screen at all, but I can if I want to. I'm cleaning the screen a lot less. Um, and I think this really is Apple's answer to a two-in-one laptop. Uh, since I've gotten this keyboard, I really don't mind that my MacBook Pro doesn't have a touch screen now that I have the Magic Keyboard. Um, I will state that the touch bar is useless, but we've all been over that. Um, I also bought the Series 6 Apple Watch. Um, I do notice that it's a bit snappier. I haven't had a chance to try out the always-on altimeter, um, but plan to use it when I go hiking in the Catskills in New York at the end of October. Now, uh, regarding the blood oxygen monitor uh, slash pulse oximetry, um, as a physician, I think this is a game-changer for patients with pulmonary disease. I won't get into all the pathophysiology, but suffice it to say that if a patient is concerned that their pulmonary disease is flaring or is an acute exacerbation, the Apple Watch can be a readily available tool to help them determine if they have to go to the ER or not. Um, as far as upgrading from a Series 4 or 5, I don't think it's necessary at all unless you want that pulse oximeter. Uh, thanks again, as always, for the amazing content, and peace. All right, thanks for chiming in and kind of some of your thoughts and impressions. Uh, I'm with you with the Apple Watch, and my review will be dropping shortly. So that's going to do it, everybody, for this week. Thanks so much for hanging out. A little bit of a shorter show. Not not too much big things shaking, but we got some stuff. And first of all, we got to say thank you so much to our Platinum Apple Patreon supporters at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford. Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Eric Cohen. Thanks for hanging out and thanks for all your support. And thank you all of you for your amazing support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. And it's kind of crazy. Hitting 200,000 subscribers is like, wow, that that's that's a good amount. But I still got a whole lot of work to do. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it doesn't stop. And I will continue to keep working until I get to a place where I'm like, okay, okay. I'm there. I'm in, I'm in a better spot now. That that hey, we keep we just keep on going and keep on crushing and keep on growing. And it is really thanks to all of y'all. So thanks again. That's gonna do it for this week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.